0: praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I just want to praise him forever and ever and ever. Amen. Hallelujah. What a blessing to be in the house of the Lord. How many of you are glad to be here today? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We praise God today for his mercy and his grace. Amen. Amen. What a mighty God. What a mighty God. I, I have just been so blessed by the praise and worship service. Hallelujah. Just uh, be ushered into his presence. Just, just when we come to the house of the Lord, we come to meet with him. I told our pastor, I said, I, I, I come to church with expectation. It's good to see you. Don't get me wrong. But I don't come to see you. I come to meet with the Lord. Amen. And I don't know about you, but I figure that when we come to church, we ought to be practicing forever. Because when we all get together, what a day of rejoicing. That will be when we get to heaven, we will praise the Lord. We will give him the glory that is due to his name. We might as well get used to it now. Shake off that pain. Shake off that tiredness. and Give the Lord what's due his name. Amen. Amen. Sometimes we come to church and we a little feeling a little put out. We we acting like we don't have any energy. Uh, 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 but when we come into the presence of the king, we ought to give him the praise that do his name. It's a shame when when people can go to a concert. And they lose their mind over Beyonce. And Beyonce ain't done nothing for you. But all I know is that the God I serve, he's been too good to me. And I dare not come into his house and not give him praise. So I don't know about you, but I came to worship the Lord today. Amen. 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 Praise God. Glory to God. I'm I'm glad to be saved. I'm glad to be saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I'm glad that he changed me and he did what no one else could do. Sometimes I stop and just look back over my life. Anybody do that? Just kind of... Look back, take stock over your life. And you sometimes come around a curve in your mind and you remember that place where you were. And you ain't going to tell nobody else about it, but you remember where you were. And you remember that if it had not been for the Lord who was on your side, you wouldn't be here. And I thank him for keeping me when I didn't even want to be kept. I thank him for never letting my hand go when I let his hand go. I thank him that he kept me in the midst of my mess. I know, I know y'all got a better testimony than mine. From the day y'all been saved, y'all walked like Noah, y'all walked like Paul. But that ain't my testimony. I'm here to tell you that there was some days when I act like I wasn't saved. And thank God he didn't take his hands off of me. That's how I know he's a merciful God. When he should have smoked me, he didn't. Woo! All right. Hallelujah. Glory to God. When he should have took me out of here, he didn't. And I'm grateful to him today. Amen. Praise God. We praise God for his presence. Hallelujah. So grateful to God for our pastors. Even as they are away ministering, hallelujah, hallelujah, grateful for them, amen. amen. Praise God for each of you who are here today serving in your respective places where God has called you. And I'm here to tell you that no matter what you're doing for the Lord, hallelujah, when we do our best, God is honored, amen. Hallelujah, don't matter if you are standing at the door handing out uh, uh, welcome uh, packets, it it doesn't matter. When you do it for the Lord, he is the one that will bless you. So praise God for you being here and continuing to serve uh, the Lord, Amen? amen? Amen, praise God, hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm so grateful for my wife. My second most precious gift from the Father. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. My good thing. (laughs) Amen. 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 I honor her that way too. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Husbands, if you are not honoring your wife like that, you better start. Hallelujah, he says over there in 1 Peter that if you don't, then every time you pray, he's just going to knock your prayers down. That ain't even part of my sermon today. But I I, I am uh, sure of this one thing. One of the biggest problems that we're seeing in the world today and especially in our country is that that. That there are men who don't understand the blessing of their wife. And therefore, we become unappreciative, ungrateful to God. She changed just a little bit, and we want to uh, uh, turn her in for another model. Did, did I say that out loud? Ooh. But if we begin to look at the way God designed the human race, he designed it in a, in a particular way. He designed husbands to, to be the leaders of their family. Here it is, the servant leaders of their family. If you're looking for somebody to boss around, then you should go and hire yourself a maid but that's not your wife. This ain't even a part of my son. Where am I going with this? Hallelujah. We're seeing too many things in the world today that's shaking uh, 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 this nation where it's just looking bad. And we need to get back to the way God wants things done. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Today, I want to take some time to talk to us about something that God gave me. Um, I want to talk to us about living in the favor of God. Why, why talk about favor? You see, because being blessed and being in the favor of God are not the same thing. Y'all, y'all know that, right? You see, um, God blesses everybody, really. If you're not saved and you're here today, you're still blessed. Because it's by his mercy that you are still here. So therefore he has blessed you. The Bible says he reigns over the just as well as the unjust. A person who is not saved, they can still follow the principles of tithing and God will bless them. For their tithing. But it don't put them in his favor. You see, the word blessed, the word, the word blessed from, uh, uh, in the Hebrew, it means happiness. Uh, how happy, blessed, happy. But then when you begin to go and look at the word favor, you look at the word favor, in the Hebrew, it means graciousness kindness, favor. I like it when it says beauty. It's a wonderful thing to live in the beauty of holiness. So favor and grace. And and then it says pleasant, precious, well-favored. Well-favored. You see, there's a difference between blessed and favored. As I said before, God pours out his blessings on everyone, uh, uh, the just and the unjust, amen. Uh, uh, But favor is chosen by God for whomever he chooses to give it to. Somebody said favor ain't fair. Uh, Well, God chooses who he wants to give it to, amen. Amen. Uh, uh, Let's look at a a, a verse real quick. It's in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 22. This is part of my introduction. All right? Deuteronomy 33 and verse 22 from the New King James Version says, And of Dan, he said, Dan is a lion's whelp. He shall leap from Bashan. Verse 23, and of Naphtali, he said, Oh, Naphtali, satisfied with favor and full of the blessing of the Lord, possesses the west and the south. And then look at verse 24, and of Asher, he said, Asher is most blessed of sons. Let him be favored by his own brothers, and let him dip his foot in oil. All right, what am I saying? Notice that while all three brothers received blessings, only one of the three brothers received a pronouncement of favor from the Lord. You see that last verse, it says, uh, in verse 24, it says, and let him be favored by his brothers. Well, I can, I can have favor on my brother. It's not God's favor. It, it, it's not the same. It's not the same when, when when somebody give you favor. But when God gives you favor, everything changes. Amen? So, so today I, I want to speak to us uh, from this question, how can we live... In the favor of God, how can we live in the favor of God? Um, sometimes uh, I, I don't know about you all. I'm sort of an avid reader, when, especially when I have time. Uh, uh, sometimes we see a great book uh, that the title looks really, really interesting, and and so we we pick up that book and we uh, we'll turn to the end. We take a peek at the end of the book just to be sure, you know, we're going to enjoy that book, right? And so I believe today that what will help us uh, 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 is that we do something like that. Because uh, we have a question that, that is or it should be of high interest to all of us here. How can we live in the favor of God? Is there anyone who wants to know the end of the story first? Amen, amen. I'm glad you asked. So uh, uh, the end of the story and, and the results of what we are going to learn today are found in Deuteronomy chapter 11. So if you can turn to the Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 10. Verse 10. It says, this is going to bless us. It says, For the land which you go to possess is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come, where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. So there's some words we want to look at real quick. The the first one is the word possess. Possess means to seize, to inherit, to enjoy, to get. To have, I, I I I love that because when God begins to talk about uh, 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 giving us something to possess, that means that He is going to give us that as an inheritance. It is something that we are going to to enjoy. It's something that we're going to have, and so we need to understand what He's saying here. The land where I'm taking you to possess. And and then the next thing it says in that verse, if you go back to it, it says, is not like the land of Egypt from which you have come. You see, these words ought to remind us of a couple things. Where God wants to take us and plant us is not like what we have experienced in this world system. You see, we have gotten so comfortable in the world and we think that we are uh, enjoying ourselves and we are being blessed because everybody talks about I'm blessed and highly favored. We don't understand what it really means. God said, "Uh, uh, uh, this, this place where I'm taking you is not like Egypt. That ought to mean something to us. You see, Egypt is sometimes symbolic of sin or a place of sin or a place of bondage. So when we begin to look at that, uh, 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 some of us have been uh, uh, and didn't even know it, we have been in bondage. God says, I'm taking you somewhere else now. Today, God wants to set somebody free. He wants to uh, uh, set us free from the bondage of the enemy, from the bondage uh, of the oppression of the enemy. Is there anyone tired of the enemy's oppression in your life? His oppression in our spiritual life, his oppression on our family, his oppression on our marriage, his oppression in the workplace, his oppression in the neighborhood. How many tired of the enemy's oppression? I don't know about you, but I want to be set free from the enemy's oppression. And while we're at it, I want to give him a black eye. Is there anyone who want to take back what the devil has stolen from us? Anyone want to take back their joy, their peace? So where God is taking us, we will get back everything the devil has stolen from us. I don't know about you, but I I want a Job-like extreme makeover. Y'all remember what Job went through? The enemy afflicted him. He lost all of this. But at the end, God gave him an extreme makeover. That's what I want. God is the restorer of lost things. And then in that same verse, it says, Where you sowed your seed and watered it by foot as a vegetable garden. I want to read that same verse here, Deuteronomy 11 and 10. I'm going to read it from the uh, the complete Jewish Bible. It says this, For the land you are entering in, in order to take possession of it, isn't like the land of Egypt. There you would sow your seed and had to use your foot to operate its irrigation system, as in a vegetable garden. Uh, Moses told the Israelites, he said, in Egypt, they had to plant their crops, and they had to get water and direct the water to their crops using their feet. Can you imagine that? Now, you got to remember, they wore sandals back then. Can you imagine having to do all that? You're trying to uh, You're trying to do all that to, to get a, a, a trickle of water to come down to those plants that you have there. That was the system they had to use in Egypt. You see, a small farmer or a family garden would require one to use his feet. and and to go take the water where it was needed. Here's the problem. You end up with dirty and calloused feet. I'm going somewhere with this. How many of us know that when we live in spiritual Egypt, then we live beneath our privileges? We're hustling for a buck, but when we get it, that buck turns out to be a dime. We're working hard. And then we find ourselves ducking and dodging the bill collector or the landlord or those family members who we borrowed money from. Uh, uh, The problem is that we're the ones doing the work. We're fighting against an enemy who is bound and determined to steal and kill and destroy us. But that's not God's intention for his children. How many of y'all are God's children? That's not God's intention for his children. So is there anyone who's tired of hustling and not getting anywhere? Is there anyone who, 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 who will take a stand today and say enough is enough? I don't know about you, but I, I, I just feel like just jumping up and saying, Lord God, I need your favor in my life. Woo! Let's, let's look at the rest of the story ending. This is good. Look at verse 11, Deuteronomy Romney, chapter 11, verse 11. It says this, but the land which you cross over to possess, there's that word again, is a land of hills and valleys which drinks water from the rain of heaven. Wait a minute. I'm not going to have to use my feet. I'm not going to have to direct the water anymore. He says, where I'm taking you, it's a land which drinks water from the rain of heaven. So you have to see this. In, In Egypt, right, they directed the water to their plants and crops. But where God was taking them, this was not possible because it was hills and valleys. They weren't going to a land that was flat. So what they used to have to do was now going to be impossible. Uh, there were hills and valleys, but but this is what blessed me. Uh, uh, how many of you know that where God is taking us, he will make a way when there seems to be no way? There's hills and valleys, but God said, I'm going to take care of things because god is indeed who jehovah jireh right he is jehovah jireh and so so i i love this because it began to bless me to know that when i consider who god is i see him as adonai he is a great creator he is the one who stepped out on creation and spoke into creation what wasn't he said let there be and there was And so now, if the Lord can speak everything into existence from nothing, and he did, right? Then what can't he do? What can't he do? And he is indeed the God of the impossible. When I was growing up, we used to sing a song that said, uh, God specializes in things so impossible. And he will do what no other power but Holy Ghost power can do. Hallelujah. Somebody ought to shout, it's raining season. It's raining season. 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 Let's look at verse 12 real quick. Still there. A land which the Lord your God cares The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it. From the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. You see, the reason why they were going to be living in favor, the reason why they weren't going to have to work and hustle like they used to just to get a crop or two to grow was because of who was taking care of them. It was because of who was watching out for them. How many of you know when God has his eye on you, everything in your life will change. When God is looking out for you, everything in your life will change. You will find yourself in a different realm. You, you, oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. When God is watching out for you, he is the one that's taking care of you. He is the one providing for you. What I found out is that you won't have to be worrying about how you're going to, to make this or that. or stru- you're, you know, you're scrimping here or there. And, 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 and Because when you find yourself doing that, you don't have time just to commune with him and say, God, I just want to be in your presence. You're always trying to figure out how to get from there to there. But when God is looking out for you, I promise you, it'll give you time just to hang out with him, just to be in his presence. Whew. That blessed me because it showed me that uh, uh, the Israelites are going to drink water from the rain of heaven because of who was looking out for it. You see, there were other countries that had hills and valleys, but they didn't drink from the waters of heaven. Because the eyes of the Lord were not always on them. What am I saying? I'm saying that, that when God is looking out for you, there can be a drought all around you, but God will send rain into your life. You know, um, I thought about something when, when, when y'all remember the story of, of when God sent the plagues down into Egypt, right? Ten plagues. There were 10 of them, and, and, and what was interesting to me was that out of those 10 plagues, God kept five of them completely away from the Israelites. The ones that would have and should have been devastating the plague of the flies. Oh, man, I'm flies. Oh, thank you, God. Oh, I might ought to pray that now. Huh. Oh. Uh, 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 and the fifth plague was the plague plague of the livestock. There was the plague of the hell that he kept, the plague of darkness that was so thick that people couldn't see each other for three whole days, and then finally the plague of the death of the firstborn. God kept them away from that because he was watching out for them. And when I think about that, I think about the fact that uh, uh, God keeps things from impacting his people even though there are calamities all around us. He said "He said, a, 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 a thousand will fall by your side and ten thousand by your right side but it won't come nigh you. How many of you know that God's keeping stuff away from you now? How many of you know that when you are driving on your way to church, the enemy, his intent is to kill you, to have you get in a wreck? How many of you know that God's got his angels saying, nope, nope, nope? I've seen it with my own eyes. I have been there, and I've seen how God stopped and directed something that should have taken me out. God took care of it. I have experienced it myself. I saw it coming to hit me, and I was waiting, but at the last minute, God turned it away. No wonder David said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because God is with me. So God was letting the Israelites know what it's like to live in his favor. So let's look at Deuteronomy 11, 11 and 12. And I want to read it all the way through. But the land which you cross over to possess is a land of hills and valleys, which drinks water from the rain of heaven, a land for which the Lord your God cares. The eyes of the Lord your God are always on it from the beginning of the year to the very end of the year. And then I found a verse that really tells me the why of what God was doing. Here it is. Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 7. And I'm reading it from the complete Jewish Bible. And I'm going to read verses 7, 8, and 9. This is going to bless you. For Adonai, your God, is bringing you into a good land, a land with streams, springs, and water welling up from the depths in valleys and on hillsides. It is a land of wheat and barley, grapevines, fig trees, and pomegranates, a land of olive oil and honey. Verse 9, a land where you will eat food in abundance and lack nothing. a land where the stones contain iron and the hills can be mined for copper. God says, I'm going to give you food and money. Yeah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. This is what it means to live in the favor of God. And So this story, the end of the story, tells us what we can experience by living in the favor of God, the wholeness, the fullness of everything God has for us. Amen? Amen. How many of you want to experience what God has for his people to live in the complete favor of God? So now we must answer the question, how can we live in the favor of God? Here it is. Y'all ready? Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10 we got two verses. Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. Deuteronomy chapter 10. How can we live in the favor of God? We're going to keep going back to these two verses, so don't lose it. All right, how can we live in the favor of God? The first thing that will help us to live in the favor of God is this. It says right here in verse 12, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you? But to fear the Lord your God. The first principle that takes us to where we can live in the favor of God is this. We must be careful of how we fear. Fear the Lord. You see, uh, the word fear uh, uh, is yare, uh, uh, and it, it means to fear, morally to revere or to reverence. Okay, so, so uh, uh, the one thing about it is uh, for us as New Testament believers, to fear the Lord means that we must uh, have the proper reverence for him. In the Old Testament, uh, uh, the saints were not given a general invitation to come into the presence of the Lord. That's why the Old Testament priests, when they went to go behind the Holy of Holies, they had to tie a rope around them. So just in case, if they go behind the Holy of Holies, behind the curtain, and and they touch the ark by accident, they're gone. And so they had bells on their, uh, at the bottom of their robes, and they had a rope. And so uh, if they didn't hear that bell after a while, that means there was a problem. And they had to pull them out because they were dead. But isn't it amazing? It is a blessing that as New Testament believers, we have been invited into the presence of the Lord. Uh, uh, how did that happen? Because when Jesus was dying on the cross, when he he said he was there, and the Bible says that that uh, he with a great shout uh, uh, he cried out Tetelestai. Y'all don't y'all don't remember that? Well, he said it's finished, but it, it, it's finished in Greek is to he cried out, to Tetelestai, meaning it is finished. And when that happened, the veil of the temple was torn from the top to the bottom, giving us access into the Father. That's why we can call him our Father. We can go to him with whatever it is, whatever we need. But here's the issue. The church, the church uh, uh, has lost its true fear of God. Can I just say it? Uh, uh, uh God is not my homie. He's not my homie. We used to see that. Y'all probably don't see it as the young people going like, what does that mean? Uh, uh, back in the day, they'd be uh, these signs, uh, the church, God is my homie. No, he is God. He is the creator. We have to reverence him as who he is. The reason why we find ourselves in a jam is because we have lost the true fear of God. Several years ago, I, as I was pulling into my office, I was about to get out of the car, and the Holy Spirit stopped me, and he, he said, my people no longer fear me. My people no longer honor me. He said, they make me go places I shouldn't go. They make me watch stuff I shouldn't watch. They make me listen to stuff I shouldn't listen to. And they involve me in stuff I should be involved in. He said they no longer fear me. You see, when we lose the fear of God, the reverence of God, then we'll begin to find ourselves uh, getting over to the edge. And, and and we're now taking, remember, the Bible says that our bodies is the temple of the Holy Ghost. So if you're a believer, the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit is inside of us. So therefore, we have to be careful where we take the Holy Spirit. I can't let the devil, you know, uh, uh, trick me and say, "Uh, you know what, Uh, you're a man of God. Uh, You got the Holy Spirit. So, uh, you, you know, that gentleman's club down the road, you go in there and you start witnessing. The devil is a liar. I got the Holy Spirit in me. I don't take God where he shouldn't be going. Hallelujah. I can still go down and wait for him across the street. And brother... What you went looking for in there, that's not what you need. But I want to tell you right now, what you really need, you will never get inside of that building. We've lost the reverence for the Lord. We got him listening to stuff that he shouldn't be listening to. What Would would Jesus be okay with some of our playlists on our phone? Would would you hand him your phone and say, hey, Jesus, check out my playlist? Do you invite him to all of your movie nights? I'm not talking about some of your movie nights when you got some of your your saved, sanctified, Holy Ghost-filled friends coming over. And, and y'all gonna watch? He is not dead. I'm talking about that Friday night when you were there by yourself, and you are, you know, you were on Netflix and you are watching stuff with words and scenes. We done invited the Kardashians into our house. We done invited them in, and that's why a a, a lot of our, our, our ladies are no longer pleased with the way they look. They've invited the Kardashians, can I say it, the spirit of the Kardashians, into their house. We're on TikTok and we're watching all kind of stuff. Do you not know that the enemy uses TikTok to get to us? We got to be careful what we're allowing to come into our eye gate, to our ear gate. We want to live in the favor of God, but we don't want to reverence him the right way. He said, you got to reverence me you got to understand who I am. I am Adonai. I am the Lord God Almighty. We have gotten to the point of becoming carnal or cultural Christians. We've gotten to that point where where, uh, uh, just being Christian is just a, a, a thing. It's just a title. We've gotten to the point where, oh hallelujah, Holy Spirit is grieved right now. We've gotten to the point where we are just walking and operating in a kind of way and we don't reverence him. We no longer walk before him and him alone. We are we, pursuing other things of this world and allowing those things to take our priority. We have begun to lust after the things of this world that satisfy our flesh. Would you turn with me for a moment to 1 John chapter 2, verse 15? Because we must understand what we are facing and why we need to reverence him. 1 John 2, 15, I'm going to read verse 15 and 16. It says, verse 15, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world... The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. What are we lusting after? You see, uh, lust isn't a bad thing in and of itself. Lust just means a strong desire. So I have changed what I lust after. I'm now lusting after the Father. I am lusting to be closer to him. Hallelujah. That's why the Bible tells us uh, 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 to avoid all ungodliness and worldly lusts. That's over in Titus chapter 2. All ungodliness and worldly lusts. Ain't nothing wrong with lusting. It's what you're lusting for. Because he says, if you're lusting of the things of the world, then it's it, it's absolutely true. You, 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 you don't love the father. The, the love of the father is not in you. And if we don't love the father, then 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 we'll find ourselves doing whatever we want to do. You see, when we lose the fear or reverence of the Lord, then our lives will reflect a callous attitude toward God. Uh And We got any parents in here who, uh, don't raise your hand, don't raise your hand. You have experienced a child who seems to have lost reverence or respect for you. They got a calloused attitude. I'll come home whenever I want to come home. You can't tell me what to wear out of this house. If I want to wear these shorts, if I want to walk out of here in my panties, I will. You don't tell me what to do. Uh, mom, do you know I'm a man. I'm 15 and a half years old. You can't tell me I need to be home at 11 o'clock. Now, I didn't say that to my mom because she had a quick right. And then she would dial 911 for me. But when we lose reverence for God, respect for God, then it will reflect in our callous attitude toward him. Here it is. This, 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 y'all, some people are going to be mad. Not y'all, but some people are going to be mad. When we lose reverence for God, we will choose... I say choose to stay home and watch church service rather than come into the house of the Lord like the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25. Can you get that? You got it right there. Okay. It says, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as is the manner of some, but exhorting, right, one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Now, now I want to look at this in, in the complete Jewish Bible. It says, not neglecting our own congregational meetings as some have made a practice of doing. You see, I'm just going to confess about me. When I used to read that, I read it fast, and I used to think, oh, uh, so don't neglect coming to church uh, 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 in the manner that some have. Like, in other words, don't neglect coming to church like others have been doing, coming to church. That's not what it's saying, right? Let's keep going. He says, as some have made a practice of doing, but rather encouraging each other, and let us do this all the more as you see the day approaching. I want to read it one more, once more in the, uh, uh, the Passion Translation. Same verse. This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing because we need each other. In fact, we should come together even more frequently Eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate that day dawning. Now remember, this, this, this verse is not for those who are, you're away on vacation or you're at a conference or camp meeting or sick and you get on a live stream or Facebook. That's not what I'm talking, I'm talking about the, uh, 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 the ones who are spiritually lazy. and have made a practice of neglecting to get out of their beds or leave their couches to come to the house of the Lord. Uh, 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 Instead, we we choose to worship our way. Even though we got up and went to work, we did our grocery shopping at Walmart, Publix, or Winn-Dixie, we went out to the movies, We went out to the mall shopping for the latest uh, uh, outfit. We even went to the park to get some exercise. And don't get me started. Now we're back going on vacation, but you see, uh, we can go everywhere else we want to go, but we can't come to the house of the Lord. We log on instead of coming in. We've lost a reverence for God. You know what? You know what really bothers me about that? Our fellow believers in Africa, they walk miles in the sun to their unair conditioned places of worship and then they walk miles back home in the sun to their unair conditioned homes but they do it with joy because they have encountered God in his place of worship and we won't get out of our air conditioned houses and into our air-conditioned cars to come to an air-conditioned place of worship to give God what's due to his name. We have lost reverence for him. We have lost reverence for God. But when we truly fear or reverence God, God will do amazing things in our lives. Did you know that? Uh, Look at uh, Proverbs chapter 14, verse 26. This is going to bless you. Y'all might just want to write, jot these verses down. These, These are really good. Proverbs 14, 26. It says, in the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence. And his children will have a place of refuge. Verse 27. The fear of the Lord is a foundation of life to turn one away from the snares of death. Let's look at Psalms 34-7. I'm going to read it for you real quick. Psalm 34-7. It says, this one, bless me. The angel of the Lord encamps all around those who fear him and delivers them. Who fear the Lord. When we fear the Lord, God has wrapped, up us, uh, wrapped us in His protection. You want to talk a protective bubble. I'm talking about a protective bubble that nothing can get to. One of the stories that blessed me, uh, I'm reminded of when Elisha uh, and his servant, they were in this city and, and, and so the, the soldiers, the, the enemy soldiers had surrounded them. Y'all remember? And 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 and, and e- e- Elisha's servant, he was, oh, oh, Master, ah, oh, we we're in trouble now. We, this is bad. We're in trouble. I looked out there and all these soldiers. And Elisha didn't even break a sweat. He said, uh, "Lord, open my servant's eyes." The servant went back out there and he looked around. I can see it. I can. I Can, can you see his face? He went. Oh, yeah. The Bible says that when he looked, he saw that surrounding the army who was surrounding him was an army of angels with their fiery swords. And he knew that uh, this wasn't even going to be a battle. Psalms 34 9, real quick. It says this Psalms 34 9 says, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints, and look at the last part, there is some want, let me back up, maybe I can see, there is a little bit of want, oh, there is no want to those who fear him, I'm talking about how can we live in the favor of God, right? So God is looking for people who will fear or reverence him, here it is, uh, 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 in, in, in all their ways. All right, we must be careful of how we fear the Lord. All right, let's go back to Deuteronomy 10, verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk... In all his ways. Here it is. If we're going to live in the favor of God, not only must we be careful of how we fear the Lord, but here is the second one. We must also be careful of how we walk before the Lord. That word walk means to behave, to come, to enter, to follow. So our careful walk before the Lord ought to dictate how we behave and conduct ourselves. I said it ought to dictate how we behave and we conduct ourselves. Our careful walk before the Lord ought to show who it is we are coming after or following. We say we're Christians, which means to be Christ followers or follower of Christ. Here it is. Is the way we walking really showing we are a follower of Christ? Our careful walk before the Lord ought to demonstrate which gate we have entered. You see, our walk uh, ought to show that we have entered in at the straight gate, in, at the narrow way. Uh, 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 it, it, ought, it, ought, it ought to make a difference here uh, uh, of what we are doing with our lives. And then there's a, we want to look at the word ways, the word ways. So remember, we're going to walk in all his ways. The word ways, okay, Daywreck, it's a road as trodden, a course of life. I like that. A course of life or a mode of action, a manner. A manner, a course of life, a mode of action. We're walking in his ways, right? And and I almost missed the next word. I heard somebody emphasize it when they were reading it. The word all. You see, the problem is sometimes we walk in some of his ways. We pick and choose the ways that we want to walk in. Just like we pick and choose which uh, area of our life we want to let the Lord into. Uh, You can be the Lord of this part and that part, but not this part. But he says, all his ways. The word all means the whole. All. Any or every. Uh, 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 Walk in all his ways. Not in my ways, but his ways. You see, the way we walk before the Lord God will determine if we move God. Did you know that? Did you know that if we want to move God, we've got to walk in his way, the way he has called us to walk? I I, I don't want to just get on my knees and pray and and God's like, huh? Why? Because I've been walking in my ways. And now when I've gotten in trouble, I'm coming running to him. Oh, God. Oh, God, mm-hmm. you know, we, we got to make sure we, we get real deep and spiritual with it, but God's like, for real? You see, God is looking at the way we walk. Y'all remember our pastor say, uh, 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 we, gotta, we can't be walking slew-footed. Y'all remember that? Remember, we, we call that someone who's walking east and west at the same time, right, right? Okay, uh, uh, we, we, we can't be doing it. We, we, we can't be going off of the path of righteousness if we want to move God. He has set before us uh, 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 the path of righteousness, and we got to stay on the path of righteousness. So turning to the right or to the left won't move God. But a walk with God with all of our heart will move God. Can I prove my point? Okay, look at Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1. Isaiah chapter 38, verse 1. We got it up there for those of you who are still looking. It's on the screen. Verse 1. It says, in those days, Hezekiah was sick and near death. And Isaiah, the prophet, the son of Amos, came to him and said to him, Thus says the Lord, Set your house in order, for you shall die and not live. Remember, God has just said it. You're going to die and not live. Verse 2, Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed to the Lord. Let me stop for just a second. Did you notice that Hezekiah said nothing to Isaiah? He didn't try to argue with Isaiah. Isaiah was just a messenger. I'm going to the one who really makes the decision. Right? So let's look at the next verse. It says, and and he prayed to the Lord and said, remember now, O Lord, I pray how I have, what, walked before you in truth and with a loyal heart and have done what is good in your sight. And then Hezekiah just cried. Just cried. Boo-hoo, dad. He just boo-hooed before his dad. But what we don't see here, and we, if we read a little bit further, we would see is that he didn't ask God for anything. He 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 didn't say, uh, "God, would you uh, uh, give me a few more days? Uh, g- give me time to at least take one more vacation." He didn't say nothing like that. He just said, "He just said, God, I I I just want to remind you about the way I've walked up before you. I've walked up before you with a." Perfect and upright heart. I've walked before you. Uh, I've done what you've called me to do. I just want to remind you. You can do that when you've been walking that way. If you ain't been walking that way, don't try to snow God. Remember, because he saw what you did. So Hezekiah prayed. And the Bible says that before the man of God got halfway out the court. God says, oh, hey, uh, eyes, I need you to turn around. Go back and tell my servant Hezekiah that I'm going to add 15 more years to his life. That's what happens when we walk before God. We are able to move God. And God is happy to do things for his kids. But did you know that walking upright or righteous before the Lord, God has great benefits? Did you know that? Uh, let's look at this in, in Genesis chapter 5, verse 22. It's a familiar passage of scripture. You guys will love this. Uh, Verse 22, Genesis 5, 22, first book in the Bible, fifth chapter. All right. Verse 22, after he begot Methuselah, talking about Enoch, Enoch walked with God 300 years and had sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 300 years. And 65 years. So that tells me that for the first 65 years of his life, mm, mm, I don't know about Enoch, man. But something happened when he had Methuselah. Maybe it was something about when Methuselah was born. Maybe he realized it was a miracle. Maybe Methuselah shouldn't have been born. I don't know what it was. But the Bible says that after he begot Methuselah, then he walked with God for 300 years. He walked with God. But what blessed me was it says in verse 24... And Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Isn't that amazing? Can you imagine that? And and that thought hit me. That thought, this is what hit me. Uh, 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 Imagine if we walked with God in such a way that God can't stand to wait any longer for us to be with him. This man walked with God. And God said, okay, (laughs) I need, come on, come on. God took him. God took him. And and that blessed me. And then I saw something in the very next chapter, in Genesis chapter 6, verse 8, verse 8. Y'all know this story. Y'all know this man. But Noah found grace. grace. What did we say grace was? Favor, right? Right? But Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. This was the genealogy of Noah. The genealogy of Noah. Now, when I hear the word genealogy, I'm expecting to go, you know, like really genealogy. You know, I, you know, you want to look up your genealogy. That's what I was expecting. But that's not what he says right here. He says, this is a genealogy of Noah. In other words, I'm looking at this and I say, okay, God's telling us what's really important. It doesn't matter who you came from, where you came from, what was back in your uh, uh, past. He's, here it is, the thing that mattered to God, it says Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. Noah walked with God. Noah walked with God. I want us to notice something here. Look at Noah's walk before the Lord. Uh, uh, the Bible says he walked righteously and with his heart completely in tune with God. Y'all, y'all don't see that there? Well, well, verse 9 says Noah was just And perfect. The word just, uh, here's the Hebrew word Sadiq, which means righteous. So Noah was righteous in all of his ways. Then the word perfect, uh, 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 the Hebrew word tawmin, which means entire, integrity, truth, without blemish, complete, undefiled, upright, whole. So can I say that again, uh, uh, that, that Noah walked righteously before God? You see, there's benefits. And, 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 and what blessed me was when I look at this, and uh, there's abundant favor in walking upright before the Lord. Imagine this, out of all of the people in the world, Noah and seven more people, who were all in his family, were the only ones saved. Now, y'all remember in the beginning I told you that favor ain't fair. Remember when I told you that, that there's blessings on everybody, but God chooses to bestow favor? Is this not true? So, there is abundant favor in walking up right before the Lord. Uh, take a quick look at Psalms 119. Ah-ha. Uh-huh goodness. Uh, Verse 1 and 2, this will bless you. It says, blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his testimonies, who seek him with the whole heart. What, what am I talking about here? You see, uh, uh, he's talking about the blessing of the Lord, but this is abundant blessings from the Lord. We're talking about uh, the abundant blessings that God bestow upon us. And if we understand this right, we'll understand that 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 uh, blessing is surrounded by God's favor. Just like did y'all know that the uh, uh, mercy is surrounded by God's grace. Well, blessing is surrounded by God's favor. So, so when you see God uh, uh, pouring out uh, uh, a multitude of blessings, that's that God's God's favor in that person. Uh, uh, but, but here it is. Noah was beyond blessed. So let's go right back and look at Genesis 6 and 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So as I said before, grace means graciousness, kindness, favor, favor, grace, pleasant, precious, favor. Say what? Noah was living in the favor of God because he walked in righteousness before God with all of his heart. That's what was happening. Noah wasn't walking around uh, like others around him, right? You you know, there was something different. Uh, He didn't allow himself to be conformed to the world system. He walked upright before God, and God favored him, right? Amen, amen. So we must be careful of how we walk before the Lord. Amen? Amen? Look at Deuteronomy 10 and 12. Deuteronomy 10 and 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and here's the next one to love him, to love him, to love him. So, we must be careful of how we love the Lord. If if we ever wanted uh, to examine our walk with the Lord, all we need to do is take a close look at how much we love Him. Y'all remember Tina Turner? Yeah. Tina Turner did this song, uh, "What's Love Got to Do with It," right? What's love but a secondhand of emotion, right? Right? Uh, you see, when it comes to our relationship with the Lord, love has everything to do with it. Here's the question, just how are we to love the Lord? Deuteronomy 6 and 5 says it like this, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. You see, this is not passive love. This is all-out intentional love. This, this, this is love where you get up in the morning and today I'm going to love the Lord my God. I'm going to do everything in my power to show him how much I love him. I, I, I don't want him to have to wonder if I love him. I want him to see it in the way that I'm walking before him. I want him to know that I love him. You're intentional about loving the Lord. This this, this this love this you know when when you really love somebody you'll fight for them, right no no for real let okay let's stop being spiritual for just a moment somebody mess with your boo i know y'all y'all will fight them and then you say lord raise them maybe You see, uh, uh, this 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 love that I'm talking about is, is is this love for God that's that means that we'll fight for him. Not the kind of love like uh, uh Deion Sanders used to play when he played for the Cowboys. it used to mess me up that he was the only one that would walk off the field with a clean uniform. <laughs> clean uniform. No grass stained. There ain't no color off nobody else's helmet. And, 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 and I'm like, did he even play? You see, uh, but when we love God with all of our heart and all of our soul and all of our strength, we will fight for him. Y'all don't believe me? Y'all remember David? Remember when David went to take his brothers to food and he heard Goliath talking? And he said, who is this uncircumcised Sting, talking about my God. I will go and fight him. And when you love God, you will get the sword from the enemy and cut his own head off. You see, when we love God, we'll take a stand against the enemy and we'll say, for God I will live and for God I will die. intentional. God's looking. Do you love me? That's an important question. You remember Jesus asked Peter that? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Ask him three times, three different ways. But he was asking him, do you love me? We must love him uh, with all of our heart. Uh, um, And and then here is the next thing. We must have an, an insatiable or unquenchable love For God and God alone. Regardless of what others think or say about the way we love God, we must have love for him and him alone. Look at these words from Jesus in Matthew chapter 10, verse 37. 10 and 37. He says, he who loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me and he who loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me he says in other words he's saying you 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 can't love anybody else more than you love me I, I always, I kid my wife sometimes. She'll, she'll, she'll say, you know, she, she's just being, you know, uh, she's telling me she loves me and and just want me to know how much she loves me. She says, oh, I love you so much. You're my everything. I go, ho, 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 ho. I say, no, 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 no. I, 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 I can't be your number one love unless you're trying to collect on the life insurance. Now, if you're trying to collect on the life insurance, go ahead. Well, <laughs> God must be our number one love, you know. And 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 so uh, I remember uh, uh, one time our youngest daughter. Uh, she didn't understand back then. She but she she asked her mom if she loved me more than she loved her. Yeah, they do that, and my wife says, well, well, well yes, I, I I do, and and she was put out by it, and my wife says, but wait till you fall in love, and you'll see, and now we have to make an appointment with her. We must love God. Back in the day, young people don't remember this, but there was a guy named Luther Graham. He sang a song that is loving you, if loving you is wrong, I don't want to be right. Now, now, I don't know who Luther was talking to or talking about. But for me, if me loving God seems wrong to you, I don't want to be right. Because for me to be right in your eyes means that I would have to deny my love for the Lord how can I not love the one who created me the one who chose me before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless before him how can I not love the one who showed me miraculous mercy and great grace the one who sacrificed his only begotten son for me how can I not love him So, if me loving God is wrong to you, if my loving God makes you uncomfortable, if my showing God how much I love Him makes you don't want me in your church, then hold my mule because I'm about to get my praise on. Hallelujah! I love Him. I love Him. I love Him. People don't want it. They they shame to say I love the Lord. They'll wear a shirt that says I love everything else and everybody else, but they don't want to say I love the Lord. I wear my ties, I wear my shirts, my hats that let people know who's number one in my life. He's been too good to me. He set me free. He picked me up out of the muck and the miry clay. He set my feet on a solid rock. I was dead, but now I'm alive. All because he first loved me. And here's the crazy thing. I love him because he loved me. He drew me to him with his love for me. Our love for God must be genuine. We, we, we can't be cheating on God. How could we cheat on the one who loves us to our very soul? Did you know that God loves us to our very soul? Look at Isaiah 38 and 17. Read this from the World English Bible. It's up on the screen so you can see it in this version. Behold, for peace I had great anguish, but you have in love for my soul delivered it from the pit of corruption. For you have cast all of my sins behind your back. Isn't that amazing, love? That amazes me that God says, I love you to your very soul that I took your sins and put them behind my back. The sins that should have had me and did have me destined for hell, but he loved me enough to sacrifice his son that in essence threw my sins behind his back. God loves us so much that he did the only thing possible to redeem us from the curse of death and eternity in in hell. Romans 5 and 8 tells us that. It tells us that. It says, but God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Let's look at it in the uh, Passion Translation. But Christ proved God's passionate love for us by dying in our place while we were still lost and ungodly. Can we get verse 9 up there as well? Verse 9. All right. And there is still much more to say of his unfailing love for us. For through the blood of Jesus, we have heard the powerful declaration. You are now righteous in my sight. And because of the sacrifice of Jesus, you will never experience the wrath of God. When I read that, when I read this, how is it then that we can treat him like a part-time lover? We give God what's left of our time after we have been with all of our other loves. You know, uh, we go to work for eight hours, but be on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter four of those hours while we're at work. Then we're on there for three more hours when we get home. And then... Just before we're about to close our eyes, we're falling asleep from Twitter or Facebook or whatever we're doing, and and we 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 remember, uh, oh God, thank you for bringing me through this day, and for uh, safety and traveling, mercies home. Uh, I love you. Uh, good night, Lord. That's what we do. We have spent time with all of our other loves. And then we give God what's left. Uh, 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 or we're doing God like the OJ said in their song. Your body is here with me, but your mind is on the other side of town. Yeah. 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 Uh, 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 We come to church and we sit here like we really want to be here in the presence of the Lord, but our hearts are not in being here in his presence. We're sending out text messages. We're checking how many new Facebook friends we got or new followers on Instagram. In the house of God. What if God treated us like we treat him? What if God said, you know, uh, the only time I'm going to protect you is you give me 30 minutes a day, I'll I'll protect you for 30 minutes a day. And then he go, wait, 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 no, no, you used to give me 30 minutes a day, now I'm down to 10 minutes. Five minutes for some of us. What if he did that? It's about how we love God. For sure, God loves us. This is about how we love Him. Look in Jeremiah 31 and 3. I want you to know that God loves you. I, I, you got to see this. Jeremiah 31 and 3 says, The Lord has appeared of old to me, sin. Yes, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Therefore, with love and kindness have I drawn you. With an everlasting love. With love and kindness have you drawn me. With an everlasting love. Here's the promised favor for those of us who are who, who love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, body, and strength. Are you ready? Are you ready? Yes, look at Proverbs 19 and 23. We're going to look at it in the Passion Translation. This, this blessed me. This blessed me. Uh, here it is. When you live a life of abandoned love, that means you are just loving God till you lost your ever-loving mind, right? I'm giving God all, I don't care what you think, I don't care what your daddy think, I don't care what my boss think, I love the Lord. Say what? I don't care what President Biden think, Congress, I don't care. You want me to stand up in Congress? I will stand up in Congress and tell you that I love the Lord. I'm not ashamed of him. But look what he says here in, in, in this verse. When you live a life of abandoned love, surrender before the awe of God, here's what you'll experience. Abundant life, continual protection, and complete satisfaction. Anybody want that? He says... If you love me the right way, this is what I promised to you. Huh. <laughs> wow. And then and then this is what blessed me, folks. This is what blessed me. So, so uh I, I have uh retired as you all know. So uh since I retired, uh uh I, it kind of make me laugh because I remember uh some years ago I was at a church and they had these uh young uh men stand up and they would talk about they had gone out uh you know, handing out uh, things in the neighborhood, and they one of the guys uh, stood up and says, "Well, uh, uh, I I went to uh, this uh, one uh, lady's house, and uh, uh, she was middle-aged. She was about 30 years old, and uh, <laughs> I went, what? 30 was middle-aged." Anyway, I'm retired now, so uh, uh, this is what blessed me about the benefits of God's love for us. I mean, because as you get older, sometimes... Uh, the enemy will mess with you and begin to say, you know, uh, what you gonna do now? You, 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 you know, you, you, you're, 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 older, and uh, you know, uh, you've been living for the Lord and all this stuff, and now what you gonna do? But, but, but here's what blessed me. Uh, I, I, I know, I love the Lord, and 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 I, I, I gave Him my all while I was young, but now I'm old. So should I be worried? Why not? Maybe because of what we read in Psalm 37, verse 25. For all of those of you who are middle-aged and above, look what the Lord says for us from the Passion Translation. I was once young, but now I'm old. Not once have I found a lover of God forsaken by him, nor have any of their children, I feel like running right now. I don't know what's going to happen with Social Security, but I do know this, that because I am a lover of God, he will never forsake me. He will never, never forsake me. There's something about loving the Lord. God never abandons those who love him with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength. We must be careful how we love the Lord. All right, let's go real quick back to Deuteronomy 10 and 12. I got to hurry. I got to close. Deuteronomy 10 and 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God require of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in all his ways, and to love him? Here it is. To serve the Lord your God with all of your heart and with all of your soul. So my next point is this. We must be careful of how we serve the Lord. You see, the word serve, all bad, means to work or, in this case, to worship. Let me uh, just start by saying this. Um, Y'all ain't going to like this. The way we fear the Lord, walk before the Lord, and love the Lord will be directly reflected in the way we serve the Lord. Can I say that again? The way we fear the Lord, walk before the Lord, and love the Lord will be directly reflected in the way we serve the Lord. First of all, to serve the Lord in this context is all about the way we worship him. What does it mean to worship the Lord? Uh, uh, From the Oxford Languages Dictionary, the archaic meaning of the word uh, worship is honor given to someone in recognition of their merit. In other words, uh, honor given to someone who deserves it. So let me ask you this. Does God deserve our worship? Well, that's what we're talking about, giving him what he deserves. Giving him what he is worth. Worship means to give someone what's their are worth. Uh, therefore, to worship the Lord in a way that he wants is not just about coming to church on Sunday. You know, some of us are like, uh, you know, I was in church for three hours on Sunday. Uh, what else did God expect of me? You don't want him to turn the tables on you. Oh, 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 I know you probably didn't really say it out loud, but some of us have thought it. The worship that God is worth is not a secret. In and, and, and Deuteronomy uh, uh, 10 and 12, it says, uh, uh, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul. That's what he said, right? Uh, so so um, we are to worship him with all of our heart and with all of our soul. The problem is that, that that sometimes we try to serve God with a divided heart. You know, back in the day, uh, Atlantic Star used to sing a song, If Your Heart Isn't In It, Why Keep Me Hanging On? Y'all remember that? Uh, 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 is that us? Are we giving God heartless worship? Are we just going through the motions you see, uh, the meaning of heart or, or lab uh, uh, from the Bible's Old Testament, it means uh, uh, the heart stands for the inner being of a man, uh, the seat of emotions. So we are to serve the Lord or worship the Lord with all of our heart from our, the very seat, the very center of our emotions. And, 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 and so worshiping God is really about heart and soul worship from the inside out. In other words, when we worship God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, the worship flows from within us, within our spirit, man, to the outside of us. What's on the inside will show on the outside. Uh, 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 once God gets on the inside, he'll straighten up the outside. <laughs> Hallelujah. I, I, I don't know about you, but, 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 but when I got saved, the Lord changed my language. Those words I used to say that didn't honor him, I don't say them no more. No, no more, no more, no more, no more. Mm-mm, mm-mm. Because I've been changed. I've been changed. Uh, 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 the, uh, because I worship the Lord from my inner being, that is from my heart, my soul, I don't act like I used to act. I don't talk like I used to talk. I don't leer and lust like I used to. I don't go to the places I used to go. I don't watch the movies I used to watch. I don't listen to the music I used to listen to. Why? Because I'm worshiping the Lord with all of my heart and with all of my soul. The Apostle Paul summed up what it looks like to worship the Lord in the way he wants to be worshipped and to do it with all of our heart, with all of our soul. And Look what he said to, to the uh, church in Rome. Look at it in uh, Romans 12, 1 and 2 from the Amplified Classic. He says here, I appeal to you, therefore, brethren, and beg you in view of all the mercies of God to make a decisive Dedication of your bodies, presenting all of your members and faculties as a living sacrifice. You know, I love the way the Amplified class put it because in in the King James, the New King James, it says, present your body. You see, uh, uh, there was a problem that he was dealing with back then, but let me, we'll get to that. Uh, He says, as a living sacrifice. Holy, which means devoted and consecrated, and well-pleasing to God, which is your reasonable, rational, intelligent service and spiritual worship. Verse 2, do not be conformed to this world, this age, fashioned after and adapted to its external superficial customs, but be transformed, changed by the entire renewal of your mind, by its new ideals and its new attitude, so that you may prove for yourselves what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God, even the thing which is good and acceptable and perfect in his sight for you. You see, when I look at this, we have to understand Paul was laboring to kill a gnostic spirit or gnostic spirit that had crept into the church some people who attended church they thought that since they were saved in their spirit they could do whatever they wanted to with their body i remember reading this article this young lady posted uh she she was a christian she uh wrote an article something like that said uh, uh Uh, yes, I'm saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Ghost. I've got my Bible on my uh, nightstand and the condoms in the drawer. She was, it was called single, saved, and having sex. That, my brothers and sisters, is not the kind of worship that this is talking about. They thought they were free to do what they wanted to with their own bodies. But Paul killed that demonic thinking. In essence, Paul told them that for God's worship, God wants our body and our spirit consecrated or separated to him. In other words, God wants a holy sacrifice. That's why we are to live lives that are holy and pleasing to God. And here it is because of God's great mercy to us. This is the very least, I mean the very least we can do. That's the very least we can do. We have to understand that the enemy is going to try to mess with us. I'm saying that uh, to us today that we must not conform to this world system in which we live. A man is a man and a woman is a woman because God said so. Any other gender pronunciation or gender declaration is a sin uh, 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 that God calls an abomination because God said so. A man who sleeps with a woman, a man or a woman who sleeps with a woman, is sinning and is an abomination to God because God said so. And let me just kill the devil right now for all of you who are engaged in straight relationships. And shacking up or test marriages or playing house or whatever you want to call it, sex outside of marriage is still a sin because God said so. If you're going to worship God the way he wants to be worshipped, we must do it the way he said do it. Let me just bless some of my sisters right now. Don't get caught up in being the latest model. In other words, don't let him test drive you. Did you know there are some cars you can't test drive? The ones that are expensive, you can't test drive them. You can buy it and you get to enjoy it. You can buy it, and then you get to enjoy it. You have to know what your worth is. You have to understand your worth. Because some of them are like, uh, you know, like guys go shopping for cars. They go from dealership to dealership, test driving. In fact, they like the ones that will let you keep the car for three days and then bring it back if you don't like it. Where where did that come from? Uh, Here's what I want you to understand. If we're going to serve the Lord the way he wants to be served, we got to understand that we got to do it from all of our heart because God sees us. Nothing is hidden from the Lord. You might be able to hide it from the pastors, the deacons, the brothers, the, the ushers, the, uh, the, the whoever, but you can't hide it from God. And then a scripture that really comes to my mind from Romans, I'm sorry, from Numbers 32 and 23, it just says this, be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure your sins will find you out. Be sure your sins will find you out. I don't know about you, but I have counted up the cost, and I've made up my mind, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. We must be careful about how we serve the Lord. Amen? All right, last point. Let's go to uh, Deuteronomy 10 and 13. 10 and 13. Deuteronomy 10 and 13, I probably messed my sound team up, but praise God for (laughs) y'all. There we are. They're fast. They're going like, no, man, we're good. Okay, amen, praise God. Uh, It says this, and to keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I command you today for your good. Here it is. If we're going to live in the favor of God, Not only must we be careful of how we fear the Lord, not only must we be careful of how we walk before the Lord, not only must we be careful of how we love the Lord, not only must we be careful of how we serve the Lord, but here's our last point. We must also be careful of how we obey the Lord. He says... Keep the commandments of the Lord and his statutes, which I commanded you today. That word keep, shamar, means to hedge about, to guard, to protect, to take heed, to to observe. Uh, First of all, if we're for real, I mean for real, for real, we're going to obey the Lord. uh, 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 And to do so, we have to have a different mindset about his word. We have to protect his word in our hearts and in our minds. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Uh, uh, this morning, I mentioned this to my wife this morning. Uh, I was in prayer, and the Lord said these words. He said, he said one of the biggest uh, weapons that devil use against believers and unbelievers is them not knowing my word. And I was like, your word, Lord, and then, and then he took me back to what Jesus said. He said, uh, uh, he, he said these words uh, uh, to us that uh, if we know the truth, the truth will what? Make us free or set us free. The reason why people are so still bound is because they don't know the truth. And that's why the enemy does not want us to be in God's word. So we have to protect the God's word in our heart. In other words, we must be careful uh, uh, that we don't add to it, or take from it, nor change it. That's the problem today. So many people are perverting the word of God. Uh, a lot of us are, are looking at stuff on uh, uh, YouTube or or wherever, and and whoever uh, uh, and their brother want to call themselves uh, 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 this apostle or that apostle, and 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 and, and y'all are following. And you are not going, oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. Do you know what, uh, y'all heard of the Bereans? I don't mean the ones that leave the Bibles in the, used to leave them in the hotels, the Berean Bible. Okay, all right, okay, that's beside the point. The great Apostle Paul, true Holy Ghost filled man of God, right? Right. He was preaching one day and he preached and preached and preached. And at the end of the sermon, uh, uh, the, the the men from Berea, the brothers from Berea, they said to him, they said, Great word, brother Paul. But now we're gonna go home and check for ourselves to see if what you have told us was the truth. We are not truth seekers. We're just believing whatever people tell us. It must be true. It's on the Internet. It must be true because he says he's got the, do you know, do you know that if I wanted to, I can go on the Internet and get me any kind of ordination I want? Y'all don't believe it? I can get it and then go wear my collar. Sure can walk walk the street, uh, and and if they want to see my ordination, it, here it is. We must know the truth of God's word. Don't let people don't let people just tell you stuff and you not check it out for yourself. You see, people are adding to the word of God, uh, uh, uh and so we can't add our spin to it. We can't make it try to fit what our flesh want to do. We want to justify what we're doing, so we try to make the word fit what we're doing instead of us fitting to what the word says. Whatever God called us sin back then is still of sin now. And we have to understand that and and keep that in our mind that God's word never changes. That's why in Psalms 119, uh, 89, it says, Forever, O Lord, your word is settled in heaven settled in heaven amen and then and then secondly if we're going to obey the lord we need to be in and stay in his word that's how we are to properly observe the word we got to be in his word and stay in his word I, i love it because uh i have bible apps on my phone and sometimes i have an appointment i'll go to the va and i'm sitting there and i'm like okay uh looking at the line i'm like oh I'm not going to get in there for about an hour. So I've got my Bible and I get in the word of God. I try to read the word of God. I, I want to I observe it. I mean, to, to keep to watch. To, to, I, I want to make sure I'm getting it. Here it is. Uh, uh, you and I ought to be true sheep of his pasture, grazing on in his word all day long. Over in Colossians 3, if you can pull up Colossians 3 for me, verse 16. Colossians 3 Verse 16 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. You know what? Sometimes, without even having seen someone eat, you can tell what they have eaten. You can because of what comes out. When I was stationed over in South Korea, I I found out that uh, our our Korean allies ate a lot of kimchi. It is fermented cabbage and other vegetables that have a bite and a strong odor that lingers on your breath, your clothes, and in your hair. So we had some uh, Korean assistants at our office and Whenever they opened their lunch, they cleared the office out. (laughs) And then I I recall one day that I I missed the uh, Air Force bus that we were taking over to the base. I stayed out in the Air Force village, they called it. And so I missed the bus, and I had to take the Korean bus, or as we affectionately called the Kimchi bus. (laughs) And uh, I got on this packed bus, and within moments I was overwhelmed by the strong aroma of kimchi emanating from everyone on the bus. And thank God I was taller than everyone else because I (laughs) tilted my head up so I could breathe fresh air. And there was one other occasion. I was taking a taxi ride back to... uh, uh, my apartment there and uh, my Korean taxi driver uh, he belched oh. Oh, I, no I mean he belched oh. and I said to him I said Arashi Arashi stop oh, he stopped I jumped out I paid him the money and I had to walk about a mile home oh. But you don't understand, this was bad. It was bad. And I knew what he had eaten for lunch for probably the day after day after day after day. So what am I saying? I'm saying that uh, when we feed on the wrong stuff, it will result in a putrid smell emanating from our flesh, man. It'll come out as the cuss words we've been listening to. It'll come out with us repeating the dirty jokes that we should not have been listening to. It'll come out in a dirty attitude devoid of any kind of love for one's fellow man. In other words, when we have been eating stuff for the flesh, man, it will come out as sin and sin stinks in God's nostrils. But, oh, when we've been feasting on God's word, when we have meditated on his word and digested it in in our spirit, then what will come out will be Christ-like and a sweet smell to the Father. And we will enjoy blessed happiness of God's favor. That's what we will enjoy. Amen? Amen? Did they bless you all? I just want to read a verse here. Deuteronomy 6 and 24 says, And the Lord commanded us to observe all these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is this day. And then in Psalms 84 and 11 from the Amplified Classic, For the Lord God is a sun and shield, The Lord bestows, present, grace and favor and future glory, honor, splendor, and heavenly bliss. No good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And then, as I close... I'm reminded of what we read in 1 Samuel chapter 2 verse 30. For those who honor me, I will honor them. And those who despise me, I will I uh, and those who despise me shall be lightly esteemed. It just comes down to this. If we want to live in the favor of God, all we have to do is do what he said for us to do. Be careful of how we fear the Lord, of how we walk before the Lord, of how we love the Lord, how we serve the Lord, and how we obey the Lord. I'm done. I, I, give, I want to give us an opportunity because perhaps there's someone here today that um, you know this is for you. Your life hasn't been what God has called for it to be. As believers, God has called for us to represent Him well, to be ambassadors for Christ. And so maybe that's you today. And so, what I want to do is, I'm going to ask everyone to stand. Can I tell you this? It grieves the Holy Spirit when we walk any kind of way before him. It grieves the Holy Spirit when we live any kind of way, when our heart is divided, when we treat him as a part-time lover. It grieves the Holy Spirit. God wants to bestow his favor upon every one of his children. And in many cases, we're knocking it away because of the way we live. And so today, God wants to restore. He wants to restore. He wants to break every yoke of the enemy, every oppression of the enemy. Believe it or not, the enemy will oppress us. As believers, he can't possess us, but he can oppress us. We have to shake him off through the power of the Holy Spirit. And so today, if that's you, if if you know that the enemy has been Raising havoc in your life. if You know that, Lord, I, I, I can be better about serving you. I, I, I know I need to be better. If that's you, then I'm going to ask you to come. You see, because it's not just about you, but it's also about your family. Your family, your children are watching you. So God wants to restore you, to strengthen you, to have you come so that you can be that catalyst to bring others to him.